0: The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. All right. Well, uh, hey, we are uh, in a new series that we're starting today uh, called Frequently Asked Questions. Uh, And and I'm not sure how frequently these questions are asked, but what we did for the last two weeks is uh, we asked you all through our app, through online uh, social media stuff, and, and through right here with real pen and paper, uh, to submit any questions that you maybe have that you'd want us to cover uh, this summer. Questions on life, God, Bible, whatever. Uh, and then the promise is this summer, we're going to be digging through those kind of week uh, after week. And, and I'm looking forward to the series, but I'm just going to tell you all, like, it's going to be weird. Okay? It's going to be a different sort of series. I'm going to speak differently than I normally do. Like, it's just going to be out, so just brace yourselves. If you brought a friend today and you're like, he's not normally like this, like, it's true, okay? It's just going to be different, okay? Uh, but it's going to be good. But I'm glad, I'm glad it's this week, not last week. i got to tell you all, last week, this crazy thing happened. So, preach 930 service. We do worship at 930. And then, you know, I'm out shaking hands with people, doing the usual thing. And, uh, and I look up, and coming in the door was the first person who ever formally taught me to teach the Bible. Uh, from, he lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So he was not who I was expecting to see come through the door. Uh, but, but he was uh, it's Dr. Daniel Pablo. He's got his Ph.D. Uh, from Princeton. Uh, he literally is the lead editor in the Bible that I use, uh, the study Bible I use. So like 1% of his mental knowledge could just crush anything I say, right? And so he walks in the door, and I was like, Oh, Lord. Like, what is going to happen? Uh, at any rate, and I don't, I don't normally get nervous when I speak anymore. I just, it's what I do. It's life. Uh, but for the first time in a long time, be- before I got up to preach at 11 a.m., I was real nervous. I was like, he is going to just smoke me afterwards. Uh, and so I get up, did my thing. Uh, good news is, he's back in Wisconsin this week, right? <laughs> so I so don't have to worry about it now. Uh, incidentally, though, he pulled me aside afterwards, and he's like, "Gabe, that was an A plus. I'm not kidding. That's what he said." <laughs> Which he never gave me an undergrad. So I was like, "All right." Um, but uh, but nevertheless, uh, we we get to to press on today, uh, and so so I'm excited for that. Um, so we for this series, y'all submitted about 20 questions uh, that we have to go through. Uh, 50 if you count all the nonsense ones that Tanner put in there. Um, but. Um, but 20, and of course, we're not, we're not going to do a 20-week series, and some of the questions uh, are just not long enough for a sermon, like they're just kind of a simple yes or no, and so, so we're not going to be able to do that. So what I've done is kind of compiled them all into to sort of uh, topics that we're going to group the questions in together. And so let me just go through the series with you. I don't normally do this. Once again, it's weird, okay? Uh, but today, we're going to talk about death. Happy summer. Happy uh, summer. Next week we're going to talk about world religions, and really the, the question that triggered that was someone wrote a question is, is how do we love our Muslim neighbors, which is a, a great question in this day and age. So we're going to be talking about that next week. Week after that, we're going to look at questions on denominations, Christian denominations. Uh, Dr. Grant Carey is going to walk us through that. Uh, and So what are the distinctions between some of them? Are Mormons Christians? Another question that was asked is, why here do we use wine and not grape juice? Some denominations use grape juice. We're going to talk through some of those small, small picture things and some big picture things. Uh, the next week, June 26th, is going to be questions on election. This is not about the political presidential election, okay? Uh, this is about God's election. That the Bible seems pretty clear that before the foundation of time, God chose people to be saved. He chose you to be saved. Uh, but not everyone knows him. Not everyone knows Jesus. And it also says in the Bible that he wants all people to be saved. So he chose some, not others, we call this the crux theologorum. How does that all work? The, Cross of theology. Anyways, okay. So how's that all work? We're gonna dig into that. The hardness of Pharaoh's heart in Exodus. If you ever dug into that, it's gonna be awful to prepare for. Um, And then the next week is uh, is gonna be Ascending Sunday. So we'll we'll still gather here, but we'll do a short message and and just a short devotion that won't touch on this series. Week after that, July 10th, we're gonna do questions on the Bible. Uh, Some folks ask, where does it say in the Bible that Jesus descended into hell? We confess that every week in the creed. Where where is that even? Uh, how do we read Leviticus? Like, what good is learning how to properly butcher a goat doing me today? Uh, you know, these sorts of things. How many people were around when Cain and Abel were living? And so I'm actually really excited. I'll be co-teaching that one. Uh, we've got an Old Testament scholar who's kind of toe-in-toe-out with our church, but I've asked him to, uh, to teach with me uh, that Sunday. And so he's going to come in. He's finishing up his doctorate at, at UT uh, in Hebrew, Hebrew studies. So that'll be awesome. Final week, we're going to do questions on morality. Uh, people ask questions like, uh, is there any sin that can't be forgiven by God? Is it better to get a divorce or stay in an abusive marriage? Uh, should we bother going to church on Sundays? Why is that a thing that we do? Uh, and then this came in like last minute. And so we may tag another week on, we're just not going to have time to fit in there, but, uh, Jesus and, and homosexuality, which is kind of the topic of our day. So we may tag another week on and just do that whole week on there. Um, we'll see how that all lines up, but th- that'll be the hope. So that's the series. Um, excited for it, be stuff to dig into, and, and let me just say, I know summer's crazy. I mean, you can even tell today, like, it, it, people are traveling. We're busy. You're dropping kids off at camp. You're going on vacation, that sort of thing. Uh, so if you missed one of these, and you're like, oh man, I really kind of wanted to see where we went with all that, uh, you can download our app, and you can stream our messages right off the app, or you just look on, pod, on, on iTunes and type in Axe Church Leander, and you can uh, find all our stuff on there if you want to follow along. All right, so let's get going. Questions on death. Happy summer, okay? Uh, so, so as we get into it, let me just lay out the questions that came in. Uh, these are the questions that y'all submitted that we're going to cover today. Uh, and so we'll have them up here, I believe. Uh, the first one was, uh, do all dogs go to heaven? I don't know if that was a joke or not, uh, but it's actually a good question. So, so we are going to go into it. Uh, where does our soul go when we die? Is cremation okay? Uh, what happens to animals when they die? And if someone commits suicide, do they go to hell? Okay, so kind of ranging in seriousness here, but we're going to try and cover all of them today. Uh, we will. Uh, and, and, uh, and we'll get it done. So, so as we get into this text, though, and before we really even get into answering these questions, i got to lay out a few more ground rules, okay? A few more. First one is this is, uh, how do I put it, a sensitive topic, right? You dig into death, it's a sensitive topic, and so talking about it uh, can be hard. And some of you maybe have recently lost loved ones. And the reality is, all of us have been affected by death. We've all lost loved ones. And I get that. I just want you to know, though, for the sake of brevity, uh, there's going to be some times this morning where I talk about death uh, kind of cavalierly, um, and I maybe land on some answers and go in some ways where you're like, I'm really offended by that, or I don't really like that, or Gabe's an idiot, whatever it is. If that happens, that's fine, okay? Okay? Uh, what I want you to do, though, is don't storm off and be like, I can't believe he said that. We're never touching this again. No, no. not know. My email address is on the website if you don't have it. My phone number is on our website if you don't have it. Contact me. Talk to me. We can walk through it. Okay? I understand this is sensitive, but I want to try and articulate as well as I can what Scripture says about these things. Uh, ground rule number two is uh, flowing off of that. I'm only going to speak where Scripture speaks. Okay? And where Scripture is silent, I'm going to be silent. And so what that means is that when it comes to answering these questions, they're not always super cut and dry. It's not like the Bible's like, ah, well, they asked that question. We'll just add that in 1st Gabe chapter. It just is not there, right? And so so there's going to be times where I have to just not say anything. And you may not like the answer. It may be like, who knows? Uh, But that's what it is. But I am going to give my my pastoral opinion. Uh, But as I do that, recognize that's just an opinion, okay? Albeit it's informed but it's just an opinion. When I'm speaking from Scripture, it's Scripture. When I'm giving my opinion, you can take it or leave it. Good enough? We cool on the ground rules? Everyone all right? Let's roll. Life after death, what is life after death? Uh, If you have been around Acts Church Leander very much at all, you know that a big soapbox of mine is how we think of life after death. And, And the reason why this is such a soapbox for me is because I think so much of our culture is like so confused about it. Like because most of our imagination on life after death is really shaped not by the Bible, but by medieval artwork, by Dante's Inferno, by sort of weird American Christian literature from the 90s, uh, both the 1890s and the 1990s, uh, and and sort of the the cartoonish images that we get at like Torchy's Tacos, right? And great tacos, bad theology. Uh, And so, frankly, none of that is really how the Bible talks about life after death. It's just not, because they've all got this sort of notion that works like this. You die, and either you float away into heaven or you go down to hell and there's the guys with pitchforks shake, uh, chasing you around. But it just isn't how the Bible talks about life after death. And so we're just gonna go like crazy simple, step by step, what does the Bible say when, happens when you die, okay? So the first thing the Bible says when you die is that your soul and your body separate, okay? So clearly your body's going in the ground. We all see that. And that your soul, uh, in Freudian terms, your ego, the essence of, of who you are, Separates from your body. Uh, Saint Peter talks about this in Second Peter chapter one. Saint Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians five. All right, so Scripture is clear: you die, soul, body separate. Next thing Scripture is clear about is that those who trust in Jesus, those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, your soul is at peace and at joy, and it's with Him in His presence. We see this in Luke 23. Jesus says it to the thief on the cross. I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. St. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1. He says, hey, is it better for me to stay here and keep living, or is it better for me to die and be with Christ? So scripture's clear. You die, body and soul separate. If you're a Christian, for sure your soul is at peace with the Lord. Now, what exactly that looks like, what exactly that means is where it actually gets really foggy. And scripture doesn't totally speak to it, doesn't perfectly outline it for us. And so there's a few schools of thought as to where your soul goes when you die. First one is this Uh, there's some theologians that would say this hey, your soul separates, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you believe. When you die, you enter into what they call soul sleep. And you're just kind of hanging out, sleeping for however many thousands of years it takes until Jesus comes back and raises people from the dead. But you're at peace, you're at rest you're before the Lord, things are good, you're just kind of sleeping until Jesus raises everyone back to the dead and soul and body are reunited, okay? Then there's a second group that sort of adds a nuance to that. And they'd say, hey, those who trust in Jesus, who know him, their soul's at peace, they're hanging out with him, waiting for soul and body to be reunited at the resurrection of the dead. But those who don't know Jesus, things aren't looking so good for them, They're, they're maybe not in their eternal home, but their soul is not at rest, they're not at peace, waiting for the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment. Okay, tracking with me so far? Then there's a third group of theologians that would say this. Hey, well, when you die and soul and body separate, time kind of stops working the way it does here. The rules of time that we follow in, on this side of eternity don't really work once you die. And so when you die, your soul and body do separate, but it's maybe it just feels like a moment. It's just like a breath. And then you wake up, maybe 3,000 years in the future, when Jesus has come back and raises us all to new life and soul and body are together, and you just go right into judgment day. And if you know the Lord, you go into your uh, eternal destiny with him. Once again, Scripture doesn't give us a super concrete answer on this. Okay? But if you want my pastoral opinion, uh, here it is. I fall into the third group of theologians. I believe that that when you die, your soul and body separate for a moment, but then you just kind of flash forward to whenever the time is when Jesus comes back. You're resurrected, uh, reunited, you're at Judgment Day, and if you know Jesus new heavens new earth and if you don't you face God's judgment that's what that's what I land here and I land here mostly because of Jesus words in Luke 23 where he says to the thief on the cross today you'll be with me in paradise so today meaning not 3000 years from now or whenever he's going to come and he says, paradise, right? Not some weird limbo state, not some soul sleep. But he says, paradise. And paradise is often a word used in the Bible to describe the Garden of Eden. And what we'll get to in Revelation 22 is that our future eternity, our hope, is very much a Garden of Eden-type existence. And so that's, that's kind of why I land on that. And so someone asked the question, where does your soul go when we die? I mean, the short answer after saying all of that, I don't really know. I know you're at peace with Jesus if you're a Christian. But beyond that, it doesn't exactly say where your soul's at and for how long it's there. And I say that, and I'm sure some of you are like, come on! Like, are you kidding me? Like, like how does the Bible not talk more about that? Well, the reality is, as much as our culture is concerned about life after death, the Bible is much more concerned... About the resurrection of the dead, about Judgment Day. It's much more concerned about that, but much more concerned about what one theologian calls life after life after death. That's fun. Life after life after death. So, so, what is that? What is that? Well, we get an incredible picture of it in our text for today. That's what we read in Revelation 21. But before we can get there, I need to kind of explain the context of, of that passage, all right? So, so Revelation. Uh, is a book that people get really weirded out by and nervous with, and we actually probably should do a series on it coming up soon. But uh, what happens here, what it's about, is, is the Apostle John, he's exiled on the island of Patmos, and, and the, the Christian church is under persecution from the empire at this time, and so he's writing a letter to the churches that are facing great suffering, that are facing great persecution, in order that he might give them hope. In order that he might give them hope. And so the letter he writes happens to be this vision that God gave him. And part of that vision is what happens in life after life after death, in the resurrection. And so one of the first things we see in the, the, the chapter right before uh, Revelation 21, which we read, but in, in Revelation 20, uh, John gets this really clear picture of what the resurrection of the dead is going to look like. And what it's going to look like when God judges, when Jesus judges the, um, those that know Him and those that don't, and and He says He starts off Revelation 20:13. He says everyone is raised from the dead. Everyone doesn't matter if you died at sea, doesn't matter if you died on the earth, doesn't matter how you're buried, doesn't matter. What he says all who are dead are raised to life. Uh, and so, real quick, someone asks, is cremation okay? Uh, the answer is yes, because God, however He's going to do it, doesn't really matter how your body decomposes. He's going to bring it back together with your soul on this day that that is awaiting us. And so a quick note on that. uh, I don't know what your guys' plans are for the resurrection of the dead, if you've made them yet. Um, I've made mine. It's going to be awesome. Okay, ready? Uh, Some of you have heard this. I'm really excited. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm an organ donor. Check this out, right? So when I die, they're going to harvest my organs, give them to people who need them. Great. Then I'm going to get cremated. My ashes will be sprinkled into Lake Michigan, which is my uh, favorite part of the natural world. Okay? So then, check it out, when Jesus comes back, raises us to new life, all my ashes in Lake Michigan are going to start swirling around, and my organs, which are in other people, are going to come zooming out of them, right? And I'm just going to come up and like flip my hair back like Ariel and the Little Mermaid. So that's my plan. Uh, It's going to be great, okay? So you guys figure yours out, but but that's my dream. Um, All right. Back to Revelation 20. Uh, so, so, so all the dead are raised, some more glamorous than others, uh, and, and, then, and then we're judged. And then we're judged. And, uh, and what it says about how that works is that if your name, if, if you're in Christ, John says in Revelation 20, if you're in Christ, your name is in the book of life. Boom. Good to go. Then he says, if you're not in Christ... Things don't look as great. We're going to look at that. Verse 15, he writes this, and you may have caught it in verse 8 in the text we read. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I know, man, like, we don't like to talk about that. Like, it's really hard. I don't like to talk about it. But we can't just, like, skip over the parts of the Bible that we don't like that make us uncomfortable. It's there. We've got to deal with it. And so we look at this. We say, "Man, that's harsh." And so, so, how do we ensure? How do I ensure that my name is in the book of life? That that's not coming my way? Well, earlier in the book of Revelation, chapter three, uh, Jesus says to John, He says, "Hey, if, if if anyone wants to be in the book of life, they must be one who overcomes." He says, "The one who overcomes, his name, her name, is written in the book of life." And so the question then becomes, "Well, how do I overcome? How does that work?" Well, in John sixteen. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says uh, in this world you will have trouble but take heart I've overcome the world and so Jesus' point and John's point in this passage is hey if you want your name in the book of life you want to be one who overcomes you put your trust in you put your faith in you put your hope in the one who overcomes you put your trust in In Jesus you place all your hope all your faith in Jesus he's the one who overcomes he's the one who beats death he's the one who beats hell he's the one who has total victory he's the one who's going to put your name in the book of life for all eternity you put your trust in him you overcome you're good to go baby there's no other salvation but that which is found in him and so one of the questions that came in, and this is one I've, I've heard many times, is, is someone who commits suicide, do they go to hell? It's a really hard question. I've got friends who've committed suicide, right? It's a really hard question. Well, let's think about it. Scripture says if you're in Christ, your name's written in the book of life. You put your trust in Jesus, you have victory over death for forever. And so the real question is, is it possible for someone to commit suicide and still have saving faith in Jesus? And again, Scripture doesn't speak exactly to that. But pastoral opinion here, I think you can have saving faith in Jesus and have a moment of really dark despair in which you end your life. But your faith is still there. doesn't make that okay. doesn't make it a good thing. But can faith be there? Because, Because honestly, if we're really saved by grace through faith, is there any sin that can separate us from God? If it's really just His grace, is there anything that can separate us from Him? I don't think so. I don't think so, even in our darkest moment. All right, so we've gone through all the hard stuff, all right? Talked a little hell, talked suicide. It's been heavy. Uh, so let's get into the, the the good stuff. Let's get into the new heavens, the new earth, our hope as Christians uh, for the future, all right? So, so look with me at, at verse 1 in our text. We're finally getting to our text for today. Um, John writes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. All right, so what's going on here? Right before this, we kind of summarized Revelation 20. John says, the dead are raised to new life, and they're judged. And then he sees what happens. He sees a new heaven and a new earth. Now, what's going on? What does that mean? Well, in, uh, in Koine Greek, uh, the language that the Bible was written in, uh, there, there's two words for the word new. Okay. So one word is the word neos, uh, which is new in the general way we think about it, right? Like a, a newborn baby is new. They, they didn't exist. They're new in origin. They're new in state of being. It was something that wasn't here, and now it's here, right? New. The other word for new in the New Testament is the word kainos, kainos, And kainos functions a little differently. Uh, it's not about time and origin. It's just about being new in state of being. It's about being new in state of being. So it's like downloading a new operating software on your phone, let's say, right? So it's still, it's the same phone, but it's working differently now. It's working in a new way. In the context of Revelation 21, John uses the word kynos for new. So it's not new in origin, but new in state of being. In other words, in the new heavens and the new earth, the way things are, the way we see this world changes. It's going to be different. Things are going to work different than they do now. And so what does that mean? What does different mean? But what I love is he says this, and the sea was no more. And every commentary I read this week says he's not talking about the actual sea there, uh, like like a body of water. He's talking about sea is, is sort of representative of that which separates humanity from God. C is sort of representative of sort of the chaos and the brokenness that's brought on by sin and death. And it says, that's done away with. It's no more. Things are new. The world isn't going to work that way anymore. And so we say, hey, well, what does that look like? How does that world look? And so then John describes it in the next few verses. Look with me at 2 to 4. He says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, For the former things have passed away. And so what's this passage say, this new heavens and new earth works like? How does it operate? Well, first of all, what it says is that your hope and mine for eternity is not that we die and float up to heaven. Your hope and mine for eternity is that heaven comes down here and heals everything that God's restorative presence is here and all the pain and all the suffering in the world is done away with. That sickness and abuse and injustice and racism and hunger and pain and insecurity and all the problems we see are just gone. And all that's there is God's healing presence. And it fully comes to dwell with us, his people, his people of all nations. But it gets even better because what we see in this picture is that it's not just about God and people being restored, but it's actually about God renewing all of creation. Everything. So in Revelation 22, what happens, we're going to get there in a second, is John goes on to describe the new heavens and the new earth. He says it's going to work like this, but it's going to look like this. And the picture he paints uh, is one very similar to the Garden of Eden. He talks about a river of life talks about the tree of life and its leaves being used to heal the nations. Like, if you had maybe never read the Bible before, and you read the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, you'd be like, this is sort of the same thing. Like, it's, it's this sort of like Garden of Eden restored type existence. Which is why in verse 3 he says this, Revelation 22, verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, And his servants will worship him. So verse 3 says, nothing will be accursed. And that's a tie back to Genesis 3, which is when the curse of sin falls on us. And so what John says here, he says, hey, the curse is going to be reversed. The brokenness that's been in this world is going to be gone. The world's going to be back the way it was intended to be, the way that God meant it to be. That's the sort of world we're going to spend eternity in, is a new creation the way God intended it from the beginning. And so, some of the questions, will there be animals? Yes, there are animals at the first creation. They'll be there at the new creation. But, to to, to be fair to the questions that were asked, it wasn't really so much, will there be animals, but what about the animals we know now, right? So what happens to the ones that die now? Do all dogs go to heaven? That sort of thing. So let me answer those real quick. Uh, Simple answer found in Scripture is that when animals die, they rot. That's it. Dunzo. Okay? They don't have souls. They don't live on. They're not made in the image of God. They're not worth the same amount as humans are. No matter how crazy our culture gets about that. Okay? Sorry. But, let me say this. Let me say this. A little hope. Which is tough because a lot of people that know me know I don't really like animals. So it's like really like, oh, he's just saying that. I'm like, no, it's in the Bible, okay? I, but... um Let me say this, though. Uh, The picture we've seen in Revelation today is that of God bringing life from death, right? Is that of God renewing his good creation. Is that of God's presence and his glory bringing joy to his people for eternity. I mean, look at verse 5. It says, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And so I think about that. And I think this. Is it possible that out of love for you, purely as a reflection of his glory, is it possible that God may choose? I'd be sure I say this right, to renew certain aspects of his creation that you loved this side of eternity. Say a pet. Okay? Is it possible that that would be there as a source of joy, as a symbol of God's glory, that that would be there. Pastoral opinion, again, I'd say it's entirely possible. It's possible. Okay? It's not in the Bible. Just me throwing it out there, giving hope to all the kids. Alright? And Lindsay. Alright. Um, so, uh, so we, we've made it through the questions. Alright? We've journeyed through. We're live. Went through the heavy stuff. Went through the light stuff. So, what does this all have to do with today? Alright? Like, like, talking about heaven, hell, end of the world, all this crazy stuff. How does that affect how I live right now? Well, let me just wrap us up and, and just try and put a little bow on this for us. Um, so the first funeral I ever did uh, was actually not that long ago. It was about two years ago. And uh, and it's for uh, my wife Melissa's Aunt Kathy. And uh, and so we flew up to Wisconsin, that's where she's from, and, and went to do it. And, and Aunt Kathy was like an awesome lady, just awesome. Awesome! It was a super easy funeral to do uh, because she she was amazing. She's the best hugger in the world. Uh, You know, she's a a Midwestern lady, and she had a Midwestern lady uh, body type, the the winter layer where you just hug and you just sink in, and you know the world is going to be okay. You know, and uh, and she's just a a sweet, sweet lady. And not only that, she's an incredibly generous lady. Uh, Literally, to get this church up and running, she donated thousands of her own dollars. She lives in or lived in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Gave thousands of dollars to start a church in Leander, Texas. That's just the kind of lady uh, that she was. And, and so when she passed away, I sat down with her mom, Melissa's grandma, and I said, hey, do, do you have any um, Bible passages or anything like that, that that you'd want read or that you'd want the message based on uh, for, for her funeral? And without skipping a beat, Melissa's grandma goes, 1 John 4:19. 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19, which says, he lo-, or, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And she said, that was Kathy's life. That's that's the summary of her life. She loved because he first loved her. And I think of that, and I think of her in eternity now. And I just think, man, may that be true of me, right? And may that be true of you. That you would love because he first loved you. That you see that, that in Jesus' death and resurrection, that is, He overcomes death and hell for you, that that's His act of love for you, that is, He writes your name in the book of life that will never, ever be taken away, that that's His act of love for you, that you're given a living hope that says death isn't the end of the story. You're given a living hope that says one day God's gonna swallow it up forever. You're given a living hope that says one day all of us are gonna be together, all the saints of God past, present. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be hugging. I'm going to hug Aunt Kathy again. It's going to be good. When we see that we can love because he first loved us. And so place your hope in Jesus. Place your hope in what God has done for you in him and what God will do one day through him. May that hope shape you to live a life of love today. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for my friends Thank you for the hope that you've given us in Jesus. That he's conquered the grave and given us eternity. Lord, teach us to live in light of that hope. Teach us to see the great love he has for us. And may we extend that to a world that desperately needs it. We pray it all in his powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others. And stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.